Welcome to the Bellingham VegFest Show. We are excited to announce that we are doing a three-part series with one of our favorite local businesses, Sensibly Sprouted. Sensibly Sprouted is an insurance-based nutrition practice with a team of experts with offices in Bellingham and Smoky Point. They help people lose weight, reverse chronic diseases, and sometimes they simply help people feel better with nutrition. We've worked with them a few times over the years, and we are thrilled that they've agreed to join us for this series. This series is going to be driven by our followers and what they want to learn. We hope you enjoy. Well, hello, it's Selena with Bellingham Veg Fest, and I have Jeannie here from KPNW. Uh, she has decided to join us for this fun series that we're doing with Since We Sprouted. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Why did you want to sit in with this? Well, being a budding vegan myself and always having those questions, I was like, I want to get involved in this because I'm also dealing with a son who has kidney failure Oh, and a heart patient. And so I'm trying to get them to accept more plant-based proteins and more of a plant-based lifestyle. Yeah, I think this is a perfect, you're a perfect fit for this because nutrition has always been very interesting to you. And so... Well, without further ado, welcome Serena and Carly from Since We Sprouted. Thank you. We're so excited to be here today. Well, thank you. Today, so these this series is going to be driven by our followers and our listeners and what they want to hear about. And it was loud and clear that protein was what they wanted to hear first. (laughs) And kind of surprised me because I feel like we talk about protein a lot. But I think it's still something that people are concerned about. What what do you think it is that worries people about protein when it comes to plant-based nutrition? Such a good question. I think there's just a general perception in our culture that a plant-based diet is low in protein. Many people just aren't aware of all of the great plant-based protein sources, and they mainly think of meat or animal products when they hear protein. I think some people also may have heard that many plant-based proteins are what are considered or called incomplete proteins. And they hear this word incomplete and they think that that means that they're inferior to animal products, which is certainly not the case. Incomplete just means that they're low in at least one amino acid, um, but it's very possible to get all of those amino acids our body needs and have enough protein. So I think those are a couple of the places that that might stem from. Yeah, I think that people use the word protein in place of meat and vice versa when it's protein can be found in all plants have protein, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. You're completely spot on. Okay. So then we'll just get this out of the way. Is there any concern with not getting enough protein on a plant-based diet? So a lot of people worry that they won't eat enough protein on a plant-based diet. Studies are showing that actually most vegetarians and vegans meet or exceed their daily protein requirements. Um, It's still important to focus on including a variety of different protein-rich plants throughout the day just to make sure you are getting enough protein. And that looks like for most people, including three or four servings of either legumes and or soy foods, and that'll help make sure you are meeting your needs. The general protein recommendations for adults who are following a plant-based diet is 0.9 to 1 gram per kilogram of body weight for protein. And that comes out, a rough estimate is about 
0.4 grams of protein per pound of body weight. So just to give you kind of an idea what that looks like for a 150 pound adult, that's about 60 to 70 grams of protein per day. So that kind of breaks down to maybe 15 or so grams per meal, maybe 10 grams per snack if you're having a few meals and a couple snacks per day. So if you're having some tofu with broccoli and brown rice at one meal, you'll get up to that. Or you make a smoothie and you have some soy milk with it, maybe add some peanut butter or nut butter. That's likely going to get you close to that 10 to 15 gram per snack or per meal. Some people may have higher protein needs if they have a high activity level or they have certain health conditions. So those people, I'd recommend that they speak with their doctor or talk with a dietitian to figure out their individual needs. But most people um, kind of fall within this range. Just naturally on a whole food or a plant-based place, excuse me, a plant-based diet. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Several of our followers said that their doctors were concerned when they heard that they were um, choosing to eat, you know, a plant-based diet and that they encouraged them to count their protein. Is that something that you encourage your patients or to do? Um, It certainly can't hurt to count that if they're interested in that or if their doctors suggesting that they try that out. Most people don't need to count the grams of protein that they're eating on a regular basis. Um, If somebody's eating legumes and whole grains and incorporating some soy foods into their meals, then they're likely meeting their protein needs. So kind of what that looks like is filling approximately a quarter of your plate with protein-rich foods. So that could include things like tofu, tempeh, beans, peas, lentils, some nuts and seeds. Um, and that will help ensure you to get enough sufficient protein. Um, with that being said, though, it, it can be helpful to check every once in a while just to make sure. And there are a few cases to think of, like some people might need higher protein needs if they're athletes or they have certain health conditions. So those individuals might want to double check to make sure they're getting enough, too. I was just thinking, too, that it might be just good for anyone if, you know, if just so that they could know for the, be be confident in them, you know, be confident in what they're eating. And when they can, when they can talk about it with their friends or family, when they're getting questioned, you know, about it, just a good idea maybe to do that. So. Yeah, definitely. Well, the next few questions have to do with soy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I I know Jeannie's nodding her head over here because soy does come up a lot when it comes to talking about a plant-based diet and specifically protein. Is it safe to consume soy? Such a good question. There has been so much confusion and talk around soy. I agree. Um, And for the most part, soy, soy is very safe for most people to consume. And it actually has a lot of potential health benefits to it. I think that some of the confusion around soy has to do with something called soy isoflavones. And these are a type of phytoestrogen or an estrogen-like compound that's found in plants. And this has led to this misconception that isoflavones and soy are the same as estrogen. However, phytoestrogens, they're structurally different and they're much, much weaker than our own body's estrogen. They also don't turn into estrogen in our body when we eat them. So I think that's where some of that confusion comes from. There's also been some 
concerns with soy related to cancer risk. And most of those studies have found that there is no association between soy intake and increased cancer risk. And some studies are actually showing that soy could be protective against some certain types of cancer. So I think that's one of the common questions around soy. There's also some talk that people worry that soy could be feminizing in men. And there's no research that has shown this. They found that soy and these isoflavones, even consumed in large amounts, that they don't affect testosterone or estrogen levels in men. So I think it's very safe to consume. It also has a lot of benefits for heart health. It has lots of protein and iron and other good nutrients. So if you like having soy, having it several times per week, that's a great, great option. And the other thing I always tell people is that you don't have to eat it. I mean, you don't have to be vegan or to be plant-based. You don't have to, but it, it is, it's good to hear from you that it's safe. <laughs> What about, or, so okay, what about what about a lot of our followers wanted to know about organic soy versus non-organic? Is that something that as a practice, do you recommend that or what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, that certainly is a, a great question. And it comes down to a little bit of an individual basis and, and preference. Studies have shown that nutrients can vary in both organic and non-organic. So when thinking about organic, certainly there's fewer pesticides that go into our body when we're consuming organic foods, a little bit less than for the body to be removing these toxins. Also, it's better for the groundwater, better for our drinking water and um, for the animals as well. But as far as nutrients goes, it's they're showing both non-organic and organic can vary quite a bit there. Non-organic soy may be GMO. If that's something that people have a preference to avoid or not, but there's no conclusive research showing health risks of GMO soy, it just tends to be higher in pesticides and poses some environmental concerns. So it sounds like it would be, it's that that's not a problem exclusive to soy. That's just, you know, whether or not someone would want to choose organic food versus non-organic food. Yeah, that's a great, great way to point that out. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> my, my doctor said, eat as much organic as you can afford. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a very I sensible agree. approach. Yeah, that is a sensible approach. Absolutely. When it comes to soy, there are so many types of soy. There's soy curls, tempeh, tofu, adaname, adaname. <laughs> is there a superior form of soy? So there's definitely a lot of variety, like you're saying, and whole soy foods have been shown to have multiple health benefits. So for example, supporting cardiovascular health, supporting bone health, managing menopause symptoms. Um, And so some examples of whole soy would be things like edamame, um, tofu, tempeh, and soy curls also are surprisingly using the whole bean. Oh, good. And then fermenting soy, so things like tempeh and miso, those are also some great ways to get protein in. The fermenting helps with digesting those soy proteins a little bit more easily so our body can absorb that nutrients a little better. Um, And then there's more processed forms of soy, like soy protein powder, textured vegetable protein, um, meat substitutes, and they haven't shown to have the same health benefits but it still can be a part of a healthy diet in moderation. 
Um, and some of those processed forms of soy might be higher in sodium and sugar. So just enjoying that um, in a diet, but also including those whole soy products is beneficial. Yeah, just like any processed food would have higher salt and sodium and sugar. But so. it's nice yeah. when you can fake it at a barbecue. Oh, yeah. I mean, those certain, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about meat substitutes later, but they certainly have their place, right? <laughs> For sure. So you touched on amino acids earlier. We just want to talk about, do we need to worry about amino acids when eating only plant protein? So not too much. I'll give you kind of the background behind that. So proteins are made up of chains of 20 different amino acids. Some of those amino acids can be made in our body and some we need to get from our diet. Um, those ones that we need to get from our diet, those are called essential amino acids. So proteins in the human body have a pretty consistent percentage of different essential amino acids. Animal proteins and soy have a ratio that's very similar to the human body. So those are often called complete proteins. Many plant foods have a lower amount of at least one of those essential amino acids. So those have been called incomplete. So that means in general, beans are lower in one amino acid called methionine and grains tend to be lower in another called lysine. However, when they are both consumed, they make up a complete protein. Researchers used to think that people need to combine the amino acids at the same meal to make up a complete protein. For example, having beans and rice together at the same time. We now know that the body can actually store these essential amino acids. So as long as you're eating a variety of different types of foods, including some grains and some legumes throughout the day, you'll get enough of these essential amino acids. So it's no longer thought to be necessary to eat them at the same time. That's great. I, I think you may have said that before and I missed it in an, a previous interview, but that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that again. And beans and rice, they're always a great combo, but don't, don't have to be together. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to do it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so what are some of the veggies that are the highest in protein? So I really like this question because it helps us realize that um, beans are not the only source of protein here in a plant-based diet. There's certainly some veggies. So things like peas and corn and spinach are going to have higher concentrations of protein, especially if say you're cooking that spinach, then you're condensing it and getting a little bit more in there. Also artichokes, another option there. Really? And then, yeah, <laughs> they're not going to have, you know, a, a significant amount compared to something like your grains and legumes. But every bit counts. Every totally. bit adds up. Yeah. Yeah. And then just kind of looking at some of the other food groups, what specific foods in each of the food groups have the highest amount of protein by concentration. That would be things like tempeh, hemp seed, buckwheat, bulgur, and soy. Those ones are most concentrated gram in the amount of grams of protein. Awesome. Thank you. So this is a very specific question for a vegan mama out there who is has two little children and they are plant-based, but her kids don't love beans and tofu so much. So they're, she's looking for other vegan protein options that are kid-friendly. 
Yeah, so I I wonder is it the the textures that they're not liking or the flavors a little bit just something to kind of keep in mind and and consider maybe working in different ways. But other than that, certainly things like nuts are a good source, seeds, nut butters, peanut butters, even something like edamame. So while it has soy in it, it's just maybe a fun way to to eat. Add that to like a grain bowl with some greens and a good sauce on there. Also things like protein powders. So maybe making a smoothie, adding some sort of protein powder in there. Things like chia seeds, adding those to oats or yogurt or salads, even baked potatoes. And then nutritional yeast is another option as well. So sprinkling that on on different meals. But you can get creative with incorporating tofu and beans into other dishes as well, where maybe kids won't notice it as much. I like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So like adding tofu to smoothies or chocolate tofu pudding. Ooh. um, Legume-based pastas. So like the bonza pasta. And then... Perhaps pureeing beans into soups or into sauces and even things like bean dips. Can we go back to this chocolate tofu pudding? <laughs> That's a great idea. So I would like a like a soup like a silken tofu, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. It's super simple to make and it's a nice, rich, thick pudding or mousse. So basically blending silken tofu with like some cocoa powder and some type of sweetener Mm -hmm. and it's amazing and rich in protein and also a great sweet treat oh and you could have so much fun with different like well with chia seeds and nuts and maybe some peanut oh peanut butter i I think i know what i have i love it well thank you that's that's great stuff and i think i think serena said it maybe like changing it, disguising it almost where you're, you still have the bean or the tofu, but you are using it in a different way where they don't necessarily, it's the texture. I think the texture is probably a big part of it. I remember when I went vegan, I did not think that I like tofu. I didn't. I just thought there's, I'm never going to like this. I don't know why people eat this. And then I almost thought like, I probably can't be vegan because I don't like tofu. (laughs) (laughs) for me it was squeezing all the liquid out that was the game changer for me was making sure that i squeezed all the liquid out but everybody's different you ever make tofu popcorn oh yeah in my air fryer absolutely yeah absolutely yeah it's Mm. so good yeah that's something i do when i make when i wanted a snack for people who aren't vegan that i want to please or trick or whatever you want to say (laughs) <laughs> oh, good. That's a great idea. That's great. Oh, that's great. So you've answered this next question for us before, and I, I would love for you to answer it again, because I think that I love, well, I love the way that you answered this question. You know, meat substitutes are everywhere. I, when I went vegetarian, you know, 12 years ago, I think there was only a couple that I knew of. And if I'm going to be honest, they weren't great, but now, oh my goodness, like, you can pretty much get anything. There's shrimp. I mean, there's bacon and breakfast sausages. Anyway, question is, what are meat substitutes healthy? I agree with you. It's amazing. The variety of options out there now. Yeah. And so for someone transitioning 
to a vegetarian or a vegan diet, I think those are a great option to kind of build that bridge. If you're used to eating a burger to get something that's a plant-based burger, or for those times when we're really craving meat-like things, they can yeah. make a really great option. As far as the nutritional value, they can vary quite a bit. Um, so it's important to, to take a look at the nutrition label on them and see what exactly is in them. Some of them might be higher in sodium or higher in saturated fats compared to others. So checking that out. Um, but it can be a good kind of treat option and in incorporating that into your diet with balance. So we still want the foundation of our diet to be based on whole foods. So those legumes and whole fo- whole soy foods um, and grains, but these can, can also be a really good addition in there. Awesome. Any questions? You have any additional questions, Jeannie? No? Well, that was all of our questions. We just kind of zoomed right through them. <laughs> we did. We did. So, um, so for anybody that's interested in learning more about your services, they can go to sensitivesprouted.com and sign up. And you are insurance-based, so you do accept insurance. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. My husband actually has a couple of coworkers that use your services. And I thought that was really cool. <laughs> like, wonderful. It's kind, of, it's kind of cool to hear that, you know, like he was at work and he's just talking, you know, talking and he found out that, that they use since we sprouted. We're like, we know that. <laughs> so cool. Well, thank you, Carly and Serena so much. And we will see you next month, next topic to be determined still, but thank you so much for taking the time. We always love talking with you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm looking forward to next time. Definitely. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed and learned something new. As always, you can find us at BellinghamVegFest.org and on Facebook and Instagram. And by the way, we are searching for a new host for the podcast. So if you or anyone you know enjoys talking about all things vegan and would like to join our team, send us an email at info at BellinghamVegFest.org.